Welcome to a special edition of the Football Collective Podcast. I'm David Kilpatrick from Mercy College in New York. Today, our special topic is a gathering of uh, the Bee Gees, if you will, the beautiful game Basel Group, uh, celebrating its fifth anniversary this summer uh, with the off-year timing of the Euros as a powerful reminder of how things began uh, back in 2016. Uh, I'm joined with an all-star team of... Uh, football studies scholars slash players, uh, and I will have them introduce themselves. Okay, hi, I'm uh, Ridvan, and I teach American literature at the University of Basel, and I was a member of sort of the original BG crew uh, when we put up the first conference um, at Basel. And I don't know, I don't, I don't really consider myself a football scholar. I think I'm still just mostly a fan, but uh, um, you sort of made me one, I think, uh, uh, you bunch of people. Um, yeah, and I really look forward to what we'll have here today. Hi, my name is Catherine Diedrich. Thank you for organizing, David. Um, I, uh, together with Rudvan and Alin, uh, I'm also part of this uh, founding founder group uh, of the 2016 uh, first conference, the Beautiful Game Conference in Basel. That's when I was still working at the University of Basel together with Rudvan, Alin, and now I have been at the St. Gallen University of Teacher Education for a couple of years. Um, Still a big football fan like Rudvan and still very much interested in language and football. And that has really picked up. Maybe uh, I can mention some more later up later on. But linguistics and football is really um, kicking off and is all around. Um, but uh, yeah, so much for me. Yeah, so <clears throat> I'll take over. <laughs> I'm the third one in this um original BG crew. My name is Alin Biri. Uh, I'm a PhD student in English linguistics at the University of Basel and just submitted my thesis last week. So <laughs> um, I'm also not a, a football scholar uh, in that sense, in that my research in English linguistics focuses on language teaching mainly, um, but I'm uh, a hardcore FC Basel fan and when the opportunity arose to to uh, organize this amazing conference on football um, and an interdisciplinary conference taking that into account it was also an amazing opportunity for all of us I think so I'm very very happy to be here. Thank you. Uh, I'm Adam Cadlock I teach in the philosophy department at Wake Forest University in Winston-Salem North Carolina I am the I guess, second American member of the group. Okay. I, my participation in the Basel Conference served as my formal entry into the philosophy of sport um, and sports scholarship. Like, I guess most of the other people in the group, I hadn't at least previously considered myself uh, a sports scholar, but um, contributing to uh, the, this project and a subsequent manuscript on sports fandom, I suppose I can't claim not to be a sports scholar anymore. Um, and this is participation in this group and these relationships has been just uh, such a uh, enjoyable academic, the most enjoyable academic experience I've ever had. And so um, I'm excited to continue the conversation here and, uh, and whatever happens going forward. My name is Cyprian Piskurek. I teach British Cultural Studies at the University of Dortmund in Germany. And I've, I think I've always considered myself a football studies, studies scholar, but I've never been in uh, such an, uh, an inspiring group or network of other people doing similar work. And I can only confirm what Adam said, that this has probably been the most enjoyable academic group I've ever been in. You go, Carl. <laughs> well, there. My name is Carl Vaughan. I'm a lecturer in the uh, School of Creative Arts in TU Dublin. Um, and my background is in philosophy and aesthetics. And um, with my colleague uh, Mick O'Hara in Dublin, um, we uh, have been there from the beginning as well at, at Basel, but at all of the events as well. And we subsequently hosted an event 
the most recent one in um, in what was then the Dublin Institute of Technology, but is now Technological University Dublin. Um, and I guess what I found is that although my initial interest is obviously coming from an aesthetic and philosophical background, um, what we find is that it's really only by applying uh, our, you know, theoretical um, training and kind of uh, readings to uh, something like football and other types of um, a sport that, you know, they really um, have a currency and kind of make sense in the world. Um, yeah, that's my experience. Uh, my name is Mick O'Hara. Um, uh, like Connell, I teach at the School of Creative Arts at TU Dublin. Um, I teach um, on the fine art and visual culture course. So likewise, I you know teach aesthetics as well. So it's from that vantage point, I suppose, I've approached um, the work both myself and Connell have done in relation to football. Uh, but definitely, I would not have considered myself a scholar in the field. Um, but I think Connell's point is very valuable in and considering the fact that approaching it from all our own backgrounds has given a kind of certain rigor maybe to perhaps what we do. So um, apart from the, the, the great enjoyments that um, I've got from working with everybody here. So yeah, onwards and upwards. Uh, will I say anything about the conference we'll go well, obviously to? Obviously just from the introduction. Yeah, great. I was just gonna say that obviously with the introductions already, uh, um, uh, the theme of community or group or team and uh, uh, the friendships that have evolved from that um, is a, a, one of the major uh, features, I think, of what was spawned uh, five years ago and that kind of keeps us going has brought this conversation together. And uh, as we look to, to future conversations, um, but I, I'd like us to, to kind of trace back then to five years or more ago uh, Nietzsche rather famously said he would rather be a professor in Basel than God. Uh, five years ago, I realized what he meant. Uh, so uh, how was it that this project uh, really uh, was uh, given birth in Basel? What is it about Basel uh, that uh, was such a great host site to, to launch this project? And if you could just uh, share your thoughts on, on the genesis, please. Well, I think that I think the very beginning is quite unspectacular. Um, Rudvan and I just had nothing else to talk about during our coffee breaks, <laughs> so we spoke about football. Um, we did have the Beastie Boys, though. Exactly. <laughs> we did talk about, so there was one other topic. <laughs> one other topic. No, but so Rudvan, being you know a literary scholar, and me being a linguist, and sometimes these two. Uh, Anglistan, uh, you know, English study scholars are are further apart than you think. And then uh, we we always ended up talking about football. So um, uh, we got the idea at some point that if this is a topic that we can talk about so much, and we obviously feel we have something to say, who knows what, but we have something to say. Um, maybe we should combine it with, uh, you know, with academia and actually um, do something fun, organize a fun conference. Uh, and then we had this idea. And of, of course, I remember we, we pitched this idea to Alin and Alin being a big FCB fan, football fan, uh, was, was on board immediately. Um, and then, and, and then I'll, I'll let you to continue. I, I, and then I remember first and foremost that we very quickly talked about um, organizing something and that possibly we could get funding in the city of Basel if we sell it right, because Basel having the FTB and having so many passionate football fans and a long uh, you know, football history and very, I think also family oriented, many you know, people go to Basel uh, FTB games with their families, with their little ones. So um, we just thought, well, we could possibly get some funding from, um, you know, also from the university uh, and some support. Yes, realizing this, this idea. And then, of course, the fact that it would then occur during the European Championship of 2016 would make it all the more attractive. 
that's that's the beginnings as as I remember them. Well, and obviously it was it was hosted uh, in the Angliston Studies uh, area there, uh, the Grosser Halle, the very famous lecture hall, um, which was just such a delight to to be in. Uh, Nietzsche's office right above. Um, what is what was the university's uh, response to this? And also, uh, there were some excursions into the the city proper into the wee hours. Uh, so if, if you could talk just a little bit about it in terms of negotiating two very different types of institution. Maybe, maybe I can just say a quick word on the, on, on the funding because we also got the, the Swiss uh, uh, Americanists on board. So a part of the funding came from the Swiss Association for North American Studies. So we just basically put, you know, transnational in the title somewhere and <laughs> pitched it <laughs> to the Swiss Association of North American Studies. And that was, uh, um, that worked rather well. And I think, you know, the, the, the funding didn't turn up to be, to be a big issue. So this also being Switzerland, I guess I have to say. Um, so um, I, I think, you know, the funding thing was covered pretty, pretty quickly uh, and we tried to get some some additional money for these extra extra little um, you know events we had. Maybe Aline, you want to say something on those on DDO. Well, <laughs> DDO. Yeah, I mean, I just remember when when Catherine and and Rudran pitched this idea to me. I thought this was the best idea they've ever had. <laughs> um, and I was so glad when, because at the beginning I was still a student assistant. So I was just helping in organizing everything. And then in early 2016, they asked me if I wanted to become a full organizer of the conference. And I felt like I was promoted. <laughs> so being a huge FT Basel fan, the, um, the theme of the conference, we could really start combining. So we had this like, academic aspect, right? This interdisciplinary area of how to look at and research football um, as a game or everything that surrounds it. But then being in Basel, where football is so tightly knit into the city and into the people living there, we thought this is a great opportunity also to have these collaborations. And we had contacts at the Offensive, which is a football culture bar, if you want. Um, where they show all the games so that seemed ideal for an outing then taking place during the European Championship so we could actually watch games together then um, inviting um, previous football players that we could interview that was actually a, a long journey um, the day the conference started I didn't know whether Ivan Ergic the football player uh, would turn up <laughs> So I was kind of needles and we had a plan B, but it was not as great. So, and then he called me and said like, where do I have to be? I'm like, yes. <laughs> so that was really cool. Having these different thinking outside the box and having these different types of collaborations also with the, the um, Chuti Hefli, this alternative to the Panini Bitly. And I think the three of us together with other people, that we were talking about football, about this conference, we came up with these different ideas um, to make it work, right? And then that's really how it how it happened. So, yeah. It was great. We all got sticker books too. Yeah. <laughs> um, could you talk just a little bit about that FC Basel player and how, how ideal he was to kind of cross those borders of academe mm -hmm. and sport? Yeah, I mean because it was an international audience that we had at the conference, the football player in question should be able to, to talk in English, right? Which at least in Basel can be already a hurdle because most of the players, they, oh, there are various languages that they play, but then also they need to be available. They, we cannot afford someone who's actually still playing or who's kind of a superstar in the team, right? Um, and really through contacts of all of us, uh, we reached out to different players or former players as well. Um, and Ivan Ekic really was the ideal choice because he grew up in Australia. So he was able 
to um, talk to you all in English than he, in my formative years, being an FC Basel fan, oh, just also for the club when we entered into Champions League, he was there. He um, was on the pitch in these momentous games. And I think that was really um, a great thing that we could have him answer your questions and, and someone who's been there playing on the pitch in such games, right? Giving this that perspective because we're all spectators, spe uh, spectators, right? In in um, watching from the outside and kind of projecting. And this was really cool to have him. Also, he's a really reflective person, which he's a I philosopher in in a way, right? Yeah. I mean, he started writing um, after he he stopped playing football. Definitely speaking multiple languages and having read so many books. Um, so he was really perfect. So how about for everyone, uh, Adam, it looks like uh, you're gesturing to, to speech. No, I was just going to ask a, a follow-up question that you sort of um, alluded to before, which is what was the broader reception about the conference in the university or the department as a whole? David sort of posed that earlier. And I'm, I'm curious because it sort of connects to this skepticism, maybe it's a distinctively American skepticism about sports as a legitimate object of academic inquiry. And I'm sort of curious whether it was thought that this was a legitimate topic for a conference, an academic conference, or was that something you had to, to sell or, or no, was it pretty, oh yeah, just go ahead and do what you want. Do you want to say something, Catherine? Because I don't think we had any issues. You know, it's uh, it, since this is a literature department, uh, we do a lot of cultural studies, and that's just part of culture. You know, for for us, that's part of cultural studies, and doing it, you know, also pitching it from the from the aesthetics and poetics angle sort of uh, obviously helped. But we could have done the politics of uh, football as well. So that that was uh, that was never an issue. That was immediately everyone said, "Yeah, sure, go go ahead and try." Also. We have a lot of independence in, in, in if we can sort of bring in the funding, uh, the department's happy to, um, you know, to support. And also, I mean, I'm going to risk to say that, the, in my opinion, this was one of the few projects, especially when this notion of interdisciplinarity became really big in academia. You have to collaborate. You have to work cross-discipline. Um, and then we suggested a very interdisciplinary call. I mean, we, 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 our call was really open to, to any field. And that, I think, um, really worked out. And I also think that that's something that eventually uh, played a big role in, in this group and how we um, all somehow connected by actually not necessarily knowing that much about each other's fields of work um, but learning more about uh, fields which maybe in some way you would not be very interested in if it didn't, if the common, you know, if the, the common denominator wasn't football. So I think that, that this interdisciplinary aspect um, really worked. If I'm not mistaken, Rudvan, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't we try to get funding after we had already... Uh, did we already advertise it? Because one thing I also remember is the call for papers got so many reactions. I mean, we received so many abstracts from all over. I remember, um, I, 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 I just clearly remember this abstract about football in manga comics and thinking, what? I mean, that that's a thing. And this person, I... I I forget her name, but she presented. I think it was a, a woman who presented at the conference on this. Um, but, but just everything that came together, um, it was almost like no one could stop it. <laughs> it was, yeah, a, a lot of reaction. That, that raises a question uh, that I've, I've had about this. If I had any regret in Basel, it was uh, the concurrent sessions, that, that there was just so much. Um, I'll confess that at most conferences, um, it, it's not the hardest thing to find a, a block of time to kind of go off and, and check things out. This was a conference where you didn't want to miss anything. 
um, where you had to make a tough choice, whether you're gonna be in this room or that room. And even what happened in the room may then provoke you. So uh, one paper by an FC Basel fan, his name is escaping me right now, where he's talking about the songs uh, of FC Basel fans, got me to go to the stadium. And then I got completely consumed by the graffiti outside the stadium, down by the river, the beautiful artwork, uh, fan art uh, spray painted all around the stadium down there. So the one thing kind of led into the other. So um, how tough was it to make choices uh, or even just when, as a conference organizer, maybe you start off sort of like, you know, any student who has to write their first 10 page or 20 page paper, right? How am I ever gonna get there? And then all of a sudden you've got too much, right? Um, how was it in terms of, you know, once you reach that threshold where you're like, oh, wow, we have to make some tough decisions or we're going to you know, have to make decisions on concurrent sessions. Um, how did that go uh, in terms of that selectivity and, and the kind of classificatory process that one goes through as you kind of sort things out from who goes where and when? If I remember correctly, <laughs> basically two things, right? So uh, uh, quality and uh, balance in terms of, you know, we didn't want to have philosophers only. We didn't want to have literary uh, cultural studies people only. We didn't want to have linguistics people only. So uh, uh, if, if I remember correctly, we all came up uh, with our own lists, right? Sort of uh, um, head lists and then, um, uh, you know, and then so what you know, which which people were, which abstracts were were the ones we would all uh, go with, sort of, and then actually went for these people. Yeah, it was also I, I remember us having these agreements because of course we're two linguists and one literary scholars, so reading abstracts <laughs> that are that interdisciplinary also required us to negotiate. Okay, but. I don't see the sense in this. And then Rudon will go, but of course, this is very promising. So we also had to negotiate here and there to do, okay, now we trust Rudon and <laughs> then he has to trust us <laughs> when it comes to linguistics. But it was definitely challenging, but also um, really rewarding in the end uh, too. But there were some tough choices, of course. Well, one compensation for having to miss out on, on some papers is that you had the, the collection then that, that emerged, the aesthetics, poetics, and rhetoric of soccer, uh, edited by the three of you uh, and published by Routledge uh, not so long ago, uh, 2018, right? Um, I've got my, my beloved copy in my hand right now. So some of the papers you have to make the tough decisions on uh, ended up uh, appearing in there. And that, that also kind of, uh, provoked then the next year um, a, a gathering in uh, Wake Forest, which Adam will talk about. But if the three of you could talk about how you decided then to come up with the book, was that before the conference happened, at the conference itself, shortly thereafter? And then how did that uh, end up uh, in, in Adam's lap? Um, maybe maybe briefly I can start um, just by saying, I think one thing that we, we decided quite soon was that we wanted to do um we wanted a publication some sort of follow-up to the conference and but we didn't want a sort of traditional conference proceedings um with uh you know we wanted the people who wanted to contribute to really sort of um flesh out work out uh, their thoughts and their papers in more detail um so that we could actually um compile an edited work um which which was different to to a conference proceedings and i think i think that also perhaps made the choice of what went into the edited volume a bit easier because um, perhaps there were just less, uh, less participants who, who really worked something out in more detail and, um, and then eventually submitted uh, papers. Um, but again, we wanted to uh, still achieve this balance between the different disciplines. Uh, and and when we pitched that idea to Routledge, again, it, it, it was uh, very well perceived and um, uh, very timely. 
and the interdisciplinary aspect, of course, again, um, very attractive for them. So that's how I sort of remember that. Rudwan, you were a bit more involved with the publishers. Yeah, um, but you know, I just, I can, I just can't, I can just second everything you said. Uh, maybe uh, with a little caveat that um, I did find it alluring to have a book out there on football that has my name on it. So <laughs> this idea was uh, did occur early on, and I knew I, I would be able to write it myself. So I had to bring in the expertise, and that's all you guys. <laughs> so that, um, but, but you know, we weren't. Initially, we weren't necessarily expecting to go, you know, with a, you know, to have a real proper uh, um, um, edited collection with a um, reputable publisher. But, you know, there were so many great papers that, that we thought we had to pitch this to, um, to a proper, uh, you know, reputable publisher. And then um, that, the, the Routledge deal was pretty good, I think. They, they did it really well and was also fairly quick. So. My, at least, you know, from, from my point of view, that was a great um, publishing experience also. I hope it's, <laughs> it was the case for you guys too. Sorry, you had to bear with us editors. <laughs> Actually, if I just may add the editor's perspective, and then I'm sure uh, the contributors also maybe want to add something. But as this was my first experience as an editor, and it was it was probably too good of a first experience. So I remember um, I was very surprised by, by the quality of these articles. And, and I think it allowed us to, um, how should I say, in, engage the, the feedback wasn't, was feedback on a, on a very, I think, very high level. We really engaged in, in the discourse and, and could really negotiate things that could possibly be, be changed. I think it was very, the feedback was, was based on negotiations and talking about things. Um, and it wasn't, you know, being a, a bossy editor of some sort. Um, the, the quality was really, really good. Um, but it, it was my first and, and since I haven't had another, I've had one more editing experience, but it, it was a very good experience for me. I can say that. <laughs> also, we had the follow-up workshop like uh, at, at Wake Forest, right? So that, that also really helped. One thing I want to say uh, too about the book itself is that you could have gone the, it would have been very understandable to go the route of, of you know, kind of summarizing what each chapter is going to do. But you, uh, the three of you went much further than that and really contextualized everything with, within this emerging field, interdisciplinary though it may be, or even because it's, it is so interdisciplinary, um, there was uh, no lack of rigor in what you put together in terms of the introduction, which makes it, I think, so valuable uh, for any future scholarship in, in the, this area or these areas, if you prefer, right? This wasn't just, a, oh yeah, this chapter's on this, this chapter's on this, this chapter's on this. You really uh, went the full distance to, to understand uh, what's going on in football studies, whatever that means, uh, with the different interdisciplinary connections to really um, situate the papers themselves within that, that even more, more broadly emergent field or fields. Um, but yeah, uh, so Adam's uh, workshop in Wake Forest was a really uh, fantastic sequel. So Adam, tell us a little bit about uh, how, how that came about and this incredible concept of offering people the opportunity to present twice, right? Uh, one on the, on the chapter and the other on any future things. It was just another fantastic experience. Yeah, well, the, uh, the idea for the workshop emerged immediately after the conference. Um, I had traveled to Basel with my wife and she had dropped in on a few of the things and the match watching party and uh, explored the city while I was in sessions and it had been a really great trip and the conversations were engaging and fun. And honestly, the, the people that I met to a person with maybe one exception who is not at all in this group uh, were so incredibly nice, uh, far nicer than, than any academic setting I've ever been in. And so it was like, well, these would be a lot of fun people to keep talking to. Um, we we're fortunate in the philosophy department specifically at Wake Forest to have 
an endowment who that can be used only for fairly specified set of things, one of which is to put together workshops and conferences. And so having had such a good experience in Basel, this was even before there was a clear vision of the book. I had, I had thought, oh, of trying to put something together uh, for North Carolina for the following summer. Um, when it became clear that there was going to be a book project, the sort of specific structure of the workshop kind of started to take shape in my mind, which was once we have a list of identified contributors, I was maybe a little presumptuous in thinking that I would be on that list, although I tried to be clear to uh, Ridvan, Catherine, and Aline that the workshop was not contingent on my participating in the book itself. But um, once the list of contributors became clear, it, it sort of seemed like a good idea to have a, a conversation organized around the polishing up of the, the book contributions. It's rare, I mean, it's I think pretty rare that you get to have two sets of conversations for an edited project like this. If you're pulling contributions from conference, you know, they work up their papers and then they're edited and then they're published and that's sort of it. And it seemed like a really great opportunity to be able to have all of us sort of work up our, work up our papers and then talk about them again before they sort of officially were, were uh, birthed into the book. And it also seemed like a great opportunity to just have people present on what was next, right? I mean, it seemed like the start of an ongoing conversation. And if people had more they wanted to say, participation in the workshop didn't require that people present new work and some people didn't. Um, but people who wanted to, uh, it seemed like a nice, small, friendly, sympathetic group where people could share new ideas and talk about things that were part of this ongoing project. And I know I appreciated, you know, I presented something on um, American football in that, in that workshop that really kicked off um, my, own, my own book project. It was a really important part of that, that process. So I think people, and there were, I think there, were couple, there have been a couple other publications that people have gotten out of their um, presentations of new work at the workshop. I think from my perspective, that was the, that was a, also a really socially, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, um, cohe co a forming of cohesion, it's early in the US, um, a moment where the group kind of congealed too socially because we got to spend a lot of time together in a, in a, smaller, in a smaller group, um, just talking about fun stuff. And uh, so that was a, Again, one of the more enjoyable academic experiences of my life, even I was I was uh, trying to keep everything tied together behind the scenes and poor Emily Ryle had her luggage lost and we had to cart her around Winston-Salem making sure she had everything she needed. Uh, so I have a lot of memories from runs to Target, which is a department store here in the United States, uh, making sure she had to had all her provisions uh, in between sessions and meals and trips to various breweries around town. In, in New York, we call it Target, but yeah, it's always very, uh, very helpful. Um, so so uh, just so everyone understands any, any listeners, right? So um, we were organized then into clusters, uh, panels of, of four, I think it was. And we had those uh, chapters that were going to be in the book uh, at whatever stage they were at then. Everyone on those panels uh, read each other's papers. So then we had like really kind of free flowing organic conversations that, that went out of that. Yeah, I, that, that, that structure was uh, just my own attempt to try to figure out how to do these two things at once in the workshop, which is talk about past work and then leave room for people to talk about new work. And I had absolutely no idea how the format would work. I had never really seen it. I mean, I'd seen author meets critics sessions at you know, the American Philosophical Association and things like that. And those can be better and worse. Um, and I didn't really want it to be author meets critics. I wanted it to be people who had contributed to the rhetoric section, the poetic section, and the aesthetic section to be able to read each other's contributions that had been worked up more formally and have a conversation and as well get feedback from the broader, the broader group. And I, I really did have no idea how it would work, but I thought it worked it was really fun exchange. And, you know, 
in retrospect, we all have gotten to know each other pretty well and become become friends. That that hadn't really happened yet. I mean, we didn't really know each other all that well yet, aside from the conversations we had had in Basel or uh, via via email. Um, and I I think that the the com- the collegiality really started to emerge in those in those sessions in a in a really fun way, as well as had some uh, really interesting conversations. What was the the rough numbers of people? I know I I finished my paper for Wake Forest about five minutes before catching the train to catch the plane. Uh, how many people? Uh, how many of us did decided to do the uh, a new presentation as well down there? Most I should right? I should have looked at the uh, proceedings before before a meeting today. I I think there were around ten. I mean I think the total numbers for the workshop. I think we ended up having. 15 people there and a couple people, Connell and Mick presented together and Catherine and Eileen presented together. And then a couple, a few people didn't present new work. So I think it ended up being nine or 10 new, new presentations, if I remember correctly. And unlike in Basel, where we had the DD offensive as kind of the, uh, the, the, the pub after hours uh, conference location. Uh, Adam, you, you took us just about everywhere there is to drink in Winston-Salem, I think. <laughs> What's uh, funny is that uh, there are so many new places to drink in Winston-Salem since you all have been here that if, if there's ever a Wake Forest 2.0, we'll have a different itinerary. But yeah, I thought, you know, Winston is a, it's a, hidden gem in North Carolina, I think, a city I've actually grown to very much love. And I thought it would be fun to have you all around, show you around around the city a little bit. We were, we were overindulged with the most extravagant Southern hospitality, I must say. Uh, so uh, yeah, happy to accept any invitation. I'm sure I, I speak for all of us here. Uh, we'd all love to go back to, to Wake Forest. So uh, Cyprian, uh, that brings us to Dortmund. Um, another book that came out the same year, uh, 2018, is uh, Fictional Representations of English Football and Fan Cultures. Um, there were certainly some connections with the material uh, that you were uh, presenting in Basel and Wake Forest. I'm not sure the timing of the manuscript and all that, but I thought it worthwhile to me in many ways. That book still kind of a BG's book, uh, whether you consider it pre or post BG's or uh, I don't know what, what your thoughts are on, on that, but uh, uh, congratulations on that great book that's come out since then too. And um, tell us a little bit about the conference in Dortmund. Yeah, thanks, David. I I think that the book came out in the same year as a coincidence, though. I I just remember that I spent another couple of days in the U.S. after Adam's Wake Forest event, and I was uh, sitting uh, in Asheville, North Carolina, one night after that, and just reflecting on the. Uh, on the workshop in Wake Forest. And I just thought that this conversation had to continue because uh, as so many people have already said today, uh, this was just so enjoyable, probably because we all come from different disciplines. And also I would say um, this was one of the events where nobody goes to get any jobs or to, to boost their career. It's that it's just what everybody's interested in. And uh, I'm so, so amazed how we, um, how we really didn't want to skip anything in the daytime when anybody gave a presentation, but that we continued this conversation into the night um, because I would even say professional and private life uh, intertwined there. And, um, of that of course we uh i think it was just a great group of human beings so we all got along <laughs> very well and became friends so to me it was clear that this this had to continue and i think uh connell and Mick and me we then discussed whether we would do a dortmund or a dublin event first and then uh we we said it would be dortmund first um so my my experience of organizing the conference was a bit different because I was on my own. I didn't have a lot of funding, um, which is why it was kind of short notice. I think I was able to send out the call 
in February 2018, and lots of people wanted to come, but uh, many people had other engagements in Russia at the World Cup, for example. Of course, I had planned it around the World Cup to include match-watching parties as well. So this turned out to be a rather small event with also just around 15 participants. But the nice thing, of course, was, again, that uh, we didn't have parallel sessions and everybody uh, could just concentrate on what everybody else was presenting. I, um, I decided to uh, include the, my own research interest in writing about football or these fictional representations in the title. So I called the conference Writing Football, partly also because I thought if you give it a special theme, there might be other funding opportunities that didn't transpire, but still I still convinced that uh, trying to, to put some thematic focus, which was a bit different from the other events, was very interesting. And um, as sort of a main event, uh, we then invited uh, the British novelist, Anthony Cartwright, who, who has published some very interesting football novels. And he read from his works, talked about that, uh, the experience of writing about that other people presented from their own writings, their football poetry, and yeah, some really interesting papers about uh, aesthetics, again, rhetorics, all these things that we had started talking about in the years before. So uh, yeah, a, a small event, but I'd say still very nice also because it just kept the conversation going and everybody got to meet once again. And we went to visit the stadium. Don't forget the stadium. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I always forget because I, uh, I mean, I live in Dortmund, I work in Dortmund, but I'm not a Dortmund fan. I'm, I support the, the underdog next door. We've but just it, been promoted again. And the, <laughs> that, first, that first day at the museum as well. I mean, yeah, exactly. But of course, Dortmund has, has two really big selling points, so to speak, football-wise, which is why uh, if you just send out invitations, many people just want to come to Dortmund. And that's, of course, uh, Borussia and the, the huge stadium, but also the, the DFB, the football museum, which opened in, I think, 2014, 2015. Uh, and I think it was also nice that we split the conference in half. The first day of the conference was held at the museum, people got to uh, visit the, the permanent exhibition. And uh, the next day was held at the university. And on our day off, everybody who was still around got to see uh, the stadium. And I think it's, uh, it should go without saying for events like these that you should also include some, some football related stuff. But of course, Connell and Mick, uh, uh, really, uh, really improved on that with their <laughs> their framing program in Dublin the next year. Yeah, Mick and Connell, please tell us uh, how that all came together. Yeah, um, I don't know if we could say improved on it. I'd say certainly from an organizational perspective, we certainly lost the run of ourselves and added too many things in to, you know, for our own sanity um, and for what, you know, <laughs> Our, our school could kind of even accommodate for us but you know we were out, outside of term time so they kind of let us do whatever we wanted um uh i might go back to i wanted to butt in earlier on when we were talking about the call for papers my experience um was seeing the call for papers in 2015 and seeing okay um this is for the conference in basel and saying okay um this looks amazing i want to be part of this and even if I'm not accepted with whatever I managed to come up with, I'm going to go. This is this sounds like a conversation I want to be part of. And um, in kind of formulating something, I said, oh, Mick would like to be part of this as well, I bet. And Mick and I um, are part of a research group on aesthetics in the um, in the school. And um, uh, in that group, Mick is the other person that I would talk to about uh, sport and soccer in general. And so um, we have a history of kind of co-writing together. 
Um, so, and but actually normally part of a larger group, you know, four, five, six people. Um, so it was from that that then we kind of came up with our own, um, uh, well, what was presentation went on to be uh, a few papers. Um, and by the time of Wake Forest, it was certainly clear that, okay, um, you know, where we kind of come as a, a package of pair, we could definitely put on something in Dublin. And everybody was kind of like, yeah, do something in Dublin. We want to go to Dublin. And, um, you know, people who live in Dublin, are like, okay, it's just another city, fine, but okay. Um, it does have a very complicated and interesting soccer history, like most European cities. It's, um, uh, you know, it's, you know, as it, it's, hear from me saying soccer in English, it's kind of strange, but you know, football is a different sport in Ireland. Um, so we have that kind of to reckon with, which is something that we always kind of kind of intuit, but kind of it's difficult to perhaps explain sometimes. Um, so as Cyprian said, yeah, we made a kind of agreement that he would go first in Dortmund and then we would um, do something in Dublin, which gave us a little bit more time to prepare not that we used that time well in any way, shape or form. I don't think we did anything. Um, we, you know, said, okay, 2019, we'll do that. Um, yeah. In retrospect, we're just delighted it happened in 2019 and we weren't planning it in 2020. That's kind of the main takeaway that we have had. But um, what we recognised was that uh, our, our university has moved to a new campus in the city centre and... Um, Beside it is the most historic soccer stadium in the country, um, which is pretty much, you know, it's very dilapidated now, but it had been the national stadium. Um, and there is a old a soccer club that plays there, a historic soccer club that plays there and in a top tier, Bohemian. Um, in the next few weeks, actually, the stadium is due to be knocked um, and rebuilt. Um, so we said, oh, it'd be great to organize something to take place in the stadium as well. And we were and we were kind of thinking, okay, maybe, and there's an art house cinema nearby, maybe we could do a film screening or something. Um, uh, and we were certainly into the idea of organizing a, you know, maybe a match of some sort as well. Um, but we definitely wanted to keep the conversation going and to kind of localize it. And um, given that we come from a combination of philosophical backgrounds and philosophy backgrounds and art as well. We wanted to include some artists as well. And so, um, yeah, things kind of got out of hand, as I said. Nick, maybe do you want to come in and see, <laughs> say something about that? Uh, yeah, the getting out of hand part or just the... Uh, yeah, in general. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose, um, I mean, I, I have to just kind of echo what everyone's kind of said, it was really about the enjoyment of the, the previous conferences, the bonds that were struck up and, uh, that was really the driving force of really organizing something. Um, and it was something that we were, we had talked quite a bit about, obviously. Um, and then obviously with Cyprian as well. Uh, but when it came to it then, um, yeah, I suppose we had some some options in terms of what Connell kind of just suggested there in relation to where we were and the, and the locality. Like every city, they have their teams, etc. But there was something about, just happened to be around the same time that the university just moved. Um, and we were close to Damon Park and it was about seeing if we could somehow tap into, um, as, as Elena and Catherine Ridvan talked about in relation to Elsie Basel as well, uh, just in terms of the stadium itself uh, and its history. Um, in terms of then what we tried to do was organise the conference that was again echoed maybe the the tenor of the previous conferences in terms of its kind of the broadness of its kind of scope in, in terms of the calls for papers. And in, then in terms of, say, the event of doing something with bows or um, producing a different type of event, perhaps, uh, yeah, that, that really did get out of hand a bit. Um, but we had opportunities and some of that was related to the people we worked with um, that we had, you know, an advantage there. We could, we could call on certain people. So getting access to the stadium um, and, of course, getting access to... Um, the film as well, uh, which we presented. So that was, that really made things possible. And I suppose the difficulties, um, not to develop them too much, was just, you know, as with all things like that, is the kind of um, the administrative end of it, I suppose, the permissions, the insurance, which was a big stress point. I mean, 
but yeah, it wasn't the last, wasn't it the day of Colin? We only got clearance. We didn't know it was going to happen. This is the second day into the conference. We didn't actually know if you could screen the film come four o'clock that evening because we still hadn't received final sign off in terms of insurance. So yeah, we were stressed. All right. But um, yeah, we, we learned a lot about not just the mechanics of how um, those permissions work within the university, but how they work within the council, because it turns yes. out the council owns the pitch, but the club owns the stands. Um, so we were certainly going to be in the position to allow people into the stadium, but whether or not we could put the screen on the stage, which is what we did. I might explain actually what, what, yeah. what the film was. So um, through a, um, a colleague in work, we got um, a connection to a, a Dublin-based musician, um, Matthew Nolan, who had done a, uh, a new score for a film um, uh, from the 1970s. And this is a film called Football Is Never Before by uh, Costar and um, Douglas Costar. And um, what that film does is it follows George Best um, for a full match with I think it's six cameras are placed on him for a full match. It's a match that took place in 1970. He played for Man United against Coventry City. And so it's a kind of um, a precursor to the famous Sedan uh, film. Um, but this is one that isn't really as famous. It isn't uh, shown um, that often. But uh, um, the Dublin-based musician, Matthew Nolan, had done a score for this film and so what we did was we arranged for this film to be broadcast to be shown to the, um, uh, on a screen which was placed on Daly Mount Park so you got the kind of most famous Irish Northern Irish soccer player playing on kind of the, the most famous kind of field in of uh, soccer in in Dublin a pitch that he had actually played on but this was we kind of built it as you know uh, George Best and Daly Mount you know a chance to see Best and Daly Mount um, you know, 15 years after he, he passed. Um, and uh, so, so that was the, that was the idea. And the, the, um, the music was performed live. So it was a six piece um, ensemble that played, they were in the stand as well playing the music. And so we had this screen on, on the stadium. So you were in the stand kind of watching the match as well, but you were focused on George Best the whole time. Um, so the, as let's say the admin for that or the kind of mechanics of making that happen um, uh, kind of made organizing a conference quite simple <laughs> in, in comparison because it was like, yeah, we can put people in these rooms and this is who's going to speak and we know how USBs are going to work and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think what it did was it gave the conference a great kind of focus that this is what we're building up to and this is um, something to reflect on as well. And it goes back to what I was saying initially about my experiences that really by focusing on broadly put the visual culture of football, soccer, it allows all of our kind of reading of theory all year to kind of go, okay, let's think about it in this context, you know, be it about the, the experience of the makers, uh, you know, in the stadium, be it about architectural design, be it about even just jersey design or whatever, and then the experience of watching it on television and so on. Um, so it, it allows for that kind of experience. Um, so that was the, the kind of highlight or the major event in the, um, the conference in Dublin. We also organized and put a lot of effort into a, arranging a football match that took place on um, the campus uh, with a artist collective known as 1815 FC, which are a, um, an artist collective in, uh, in Dublin where every Sunday they meet and they play in a different um, uh, kind of street pitch in, in Dublin. And the idea is that they document their games so that if the council ever come and say, no one's using this pitch, they can then say, well, we've we used it at this time. And it's, it's, they're kind of open for anyone to join and they, they do a lot of um, uh, really interesting aesthetic work because they produce programs of their work. They produce sticker books themselves. They produce little fanzines and um you know lots of kind of and they were the ones who were who we handed over the responsibility for putting together the program in terms of say the design of the program which is really nice and really interesting if know, anyone so. ever i mean i have mine in my my campus my conference program in my campus office uh, if anyone gets a hold of these this is the 
most amazing conference program ever put together. It's wow. really, really <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> uh, there's one other thing I just suppose it's funny, it's funny the things that stick in your mind now um, was one of the tricky kind of conference kind of, you know, technical issues was we had three people presenting from abroad on was it Zoom or Skype, maybe? How yes. quaint Skype, imagine that. And, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's kind of bizarre to think that every conference we've been to since has been on Zoom or Skype or in this format. So um, it was really, yeah, little did we know. And I think that was one of the last panels we had. Um, and there were some technical difficulties, of course. Uh, so that some things haven't changed anyway. But uh, yeah, that was something else. So we, we did manage to kind of even, you know, have people... Um, communicating in from abroad, which was quite nice as well at the time. So we, I think we had someone from um, Brazil, South um, New York as well. I think Orch was uh, Even one in. of our colleagues was really keen to present, but had to go to uh, Ecuador at the time and present yeah. from Ecuador. And so that session where people were presenting online, I think we called it football from the Americas, even though yeah. we were presenting on Gaelic football from Ecuador, um, which was quite a highlight as well oh, and that's the other thing is that we were trying to capture some of the, the uh, we Colin mentioned it around the different codes so because of the, the situation in Ireland there are different notions of what football means so we did open it up um, a little bit more in terms of saying not just soccer it was about how I suppose how what, what we termed the kind of parochial use of the word football you know and it's, it's really interesting I remember as well just on that was um, when we were submitting Connell to uh, the book um, from Basel, um, it was great getting the kind of feedback from Katrin and Alina and Vidvan about the kind of parochial use of language. And we had to keep kind of sweeping that up, tidying that up. And it was sort of like, what do you mean when you say, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, you know, um, the different codes play a real part, but the, it's, it, it can be quite informal in terms of the kind of the general discourse around football, you know, so, yeah. That was Dublin, that's, really, wasn't it? That's one uh, common thing that, that that inspires all this too, right? Is that uh, the nature of the game is such that uh, we want to keep talking about it. So that kind of mimetic impulse, whether it's to keep talking about the game or uh, representing the game in dis different artistic media, whether it's poetry, film, uh, sculpture, painting, right? And uh, this inexhaustible material that keeps generating. Uh, worldwide, right? Um, there's really no end to this. I'm, I'm wondering if any of you right now are just kind of struck whether it's a matter of memory or a matter of uh, provocation for future thought in terms of some essential uh, issues that, that you feel are at stake that have, that have come out in the group. Um, again, I've just touched on that idea of the, the kind of mimetic impulse or the, the question of representation or representation. I'm wondering if any of you have any thoughts about that? How, again, maybe it was a particular paper that you heard or chapter you read or something you saw, uh, some, you know, maybe it was a, a particular painting that someone turned you on to. Any, any thoughts on that in terms of the, the, the content that, that's been shared over these uh, four conferences? I mean, I just wanna <laughs> note something that for me as a linguist, um, I think, Simon Critchley's keynote at our conference was the first time I felt like I understood philosophy because it was applied to something that I know, right? To football um, uh, or to football in general. Uh, so I think this common interest, right? In, in, that, in to the game or the basics that we all share in some way or another is great to then really look at it from an interdisciplinary lens and also to connect these, not just uh, A um, presents this about football and B this, but it's really um, engaging in that way. And, and so I felt all these experiences with these conferences, um, even though <laughs> they're more leaning towards uh, literary and cultural and philosophy studies maybe, I, I always felt at home still as a linguist. And I think that's, that's great. And I mean, in terms of future projects, I can just, Catherine and I just gave a talk at the International Pragmatics Conference. And we actually have um, a, a project about football that we 
came up, the um, communication on the pitch during times of social distancing. Of course, mm -hmm. the pandemic has had an effect. And um, the, the most obvious one is, of course, the missing audience, right? And this makes verbal communication easier. We can actually now hear <laughs> what players, referees, not necessarily referees, but what some of them are saying. But then um, we look at the Premier League where they had uh, these social distancing rules in place in order to restart the season three months later. And we look at the games before and right after to see kind of how this influences communication on the pitch on various levels. That's one of the projects. And there's also... Um, a linguistics edition of um, a special issue and a soccer and society planned called the language and discourse of football. So really also in linguistics, we now connected with people that are doing great research that we didn't know before on, on identity, uh, on social media, on, on representation of women in football. So we definitely keep you updated what's going on there. But this is kind of hmm, Catherine and my side. Catherine, do you have anything to add? I just wanted to pitch that. No, I, I, I uh, can only um, second that, that really the, the topic is, is, is ongoing. And, and I mean, I remember in Basel, the first conference, um, I don't recall the talk, but... It, the, one of the foci was creativity and being creative on the pitch and, and how to sort of realize, you know, how creativity um, contributes to it being a beautiful game. And um, I'm just surprised and I, I continuously am surprised how creative um, the, the ideas are coming from from academia but on on this topic and um it's it seems ongoing and, and continuing and I think the interest will will just go on I think we um have multiple reasons to meet again in the future <laughs> maybe just quickly to chime in here um it's just you know it's the force of football uh, so when we first asked Simon Critchley whether he'd be prepared to give a keynote, he said, yes, finally something worth talking about. Now, so that's, it's really, <laughs> it, it is, uh, it's not just, you know, you were just taking so many creative ideas from the, but it's the force of football. It's, it's football that, you know, not necessarily, there is a lot of stuff to be critical about, not necessarily in the present uh, capitalist shape. Uh, it has, you know, in terms of uh, the major leagues and the major events, but the game itself, right? And that just uh, um, that just gives so many opportunities to chime in and say something. <laughs> I, th I think that that is a, a great way to put it. That it's the very force of football. That it it has its own excessive movement. Um, and whether we then kind of it's the creativity on the pitch or the creativity inspires off the pitch, and then. Uh, the fact that we can't stop talking about it, whether it's on or off the pitch, right? Uh, the conversation goes on. Um, one kind of concluding thought, again, that, that theme of, of community um, or a, a group, uh, I think of uh, Le Coup de Barth and Nancy and the Literary Absolute talking about the Athenaeum, the Schlegel brothers and Schelling and everything that was going on over in Jena, right? The idea of the first avant-garde collective in some ways, uh, this is like a club uh, or again, a team or a society, community, um, whatever you want to call it. Um, again, whether you're, you're in or you're out, whether you're uh, in the squad uh, for this match or you're on the reserves bench or um, as Connell had suggested before, if I'm not going to be on the starting 11, I'm not even going to be on the bench. Well, I at least want to be in the stadium. Um, I think it's that, that whole spirit of, uh, of team, of a team uh, that, comes together um, that really I, I hope has come through in this conversation as well. Um, so as, as we look to the future, there's a little bit of talk of uh, some other events to come at different locations uh, here and there, and uh, also some talk of uh, publication or publications to come. 
Uh, I don't want to get too specific uh, for the, the audience, but uh, um, be on the lookout for more work from the Bee Gees. Yes, uh, I'll say you. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's a beautiful that's tease, David. That's, that's just incredibly well done. Well, very good. Well, thank you, fellow BGs, and um, keep your eyes out uh, for for further notice of of events and publications and uh, whatever games may be played uh, in the future. Thank you all for for joining me today. Uh, thank you to the Football Collective, in particular, Patty Hui, for for endorsing this uh, this project for the podcast. Uh, thank you for listening, and uh, thanks for playing. Bye-bye. Thank you all. Thanks, David. David. Thanks, David. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. Bye. Tschüss.